Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text for today is taken from our uh, gospel reading from Matthew 20 with an emphasis on these words. Jesus said, Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or do you begrudge my generosity? This is our text. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, Amen. I want you to imagine for a moment that tomorrow, Christ comes again in glory. Judgment is pronounced, the world is remade, death is defeated, and a resounding Alleluia rings out from all of creation. As this new creation settles in, you take your seat in the banquet hall of the marriage feast of the Lamb without end, and it is a glorious sight. The finest raiments adorn you. The hall glimmers with the very light of Christ himself. The feast tantalizes with marrow and well-refined vintages, the likes of which our world has never tasted. You look to your left, and to your surprise you see Grandma Dorothy. And she looks positively radiant. Her youth is restored. Her vitality is there. Again, she greets you with that same melodious voice that you remember from your childhood. The joy and the beauty of it all overwhelms you. You then turn to your right. You look to see the person sitting next to you, and there seated is Ozzy Osbourne. He's no longer the self-proclaimed prince of darkness, and he's traded all of his gothic attire for the white robes of Christ's salvation. Would you be surprised to see this? Sure, Ozzy isn't exactly the first image that comes to mind when you think of repentance or personal piety. This despite the fact that he's reportedly a fairly regular member of the Church of England. But the truth of the matter is that we all likely have a fairly set idea of the kind of person that we would expect to see in paradise. We have an image in mind of who does or who does not merit the kingdom of heaven. When we break that image down, however, it quickly becomes apparent that the image that we have is likely based on works of the law. Ah, and here you thought we were done with all of that Romans language. What is it that makes Grandma Dorothy more worthy in your mind to inherit the kingdom than the Oz? It's likely that Grandma Dorothy was a lifelong church attendee. Perhaps she was a member of the altar guild, a Sunday school teacher. Maybe she was regular in tithing and faithful and participating in everything from potlucks to Bible studies. Meanwhile, the, the first thoughts that come to mind when you think of Ozzy Osbourne probably involve things like substance or alcohol abuse, for which he is quite famous. Incoherent sentences laced with profanity, outlandish wardrobes, spooky makeup, or yes, even biting the heads off any number of winged nocturnal animals. Yet, regardless of how differently these two people have lived their lives, Jesus Christ gave his life for Ozzy Osbourne every bit as much as he gave his life for Grandma Dorothy. The only difference, so far as our limited human capacity can determine these things, 
is that Grandma Dorothy's external works indicate in a recognizable way that her faith is in Christ. So let's say for a moment that you're willing to concede that God in his infinite mercy has enough love for both Grandma and for Ozzie. Well then, surely, we would reason, there must be some kind of special seat in the banquet hall for those who lived out their lives in stalwart faith, right? After all, the Bible itself says a worker is worth his wages. Well, not quite what we read according to today's parable. That's the law. Those laborers who signed up at the beginning of the day to work in the field signed on for a denarius, and the reading says that's precisely what they were paid. Likewise, however, those who came in the middle of the day, and even at the very end of the day, with only an hour's work left to do, they both agreed to sign on for that same amount, one denarius, one day's pay. And wouldn't you know it, each of them received their fair wages. They all received what they were promised from the master. Now, those who signed on at the beginning, those who were disappointed with their reward, were not disappointed because the master in some way cheated them. Rather, it was because they had developed false expectations as a result of the man's generosity. They saw what he gave those who came later than themselves and who did less than themselves, and they thought surely their reward must be greater. What they were forgetting was that at the beginning of the day, each and every one of them were jobless. They were all to a man standing in the streets. They were all crying out for mercy, begging someone to come and fill what it is that they lacked. We don't like to think of Grandma Dorothy as being a needful, wretched sinner. And it's even harder to honestly view ourselves in that light. We who are consistent in our life of faith may very well find ourselves falling into the very same temptation that plagued the Pharisees of Jesus' day, who presumed to demonstrate before the Messiah their pedigree by crying out, we have Abraham as our father. I'm a lifelong Lutheran, we might cry out. My parents were charter members of this congregation. I've served on the board of elders. I tithe the full 10%. I was on the call committee for the pastor. I was a Sunday school teacher, an usher, a trustee. And you're telling me, pastor, that my seat in the new creation might be parked right next to the Oz? What about Donald Trump? What about Joe Biden? or my insufferable, nosy neighbor who will never give me a moment's peace. You're telling me that I have to spend eternity seated next to guys like these? Well, if they do not turn down the same gift of grace that you were given, then I tell you, yes. It is precisely for this reason, friends, that Jesus concludes today's parable by saying, so the last will be first, and the first, last. Christ assures us that there will be surprises on the last day. That you may very well find yourself face to face with someone that you in this earthly life consider to be less than you. You might even say to them, you are the last person 
that I expected to see here. You know, there's a great story in our very own synod about a chaplain named Henry Garricky. Garricky was a farm boy from Missouri who grew up to be an LCMS pastor during World War II. Garricky found himself stationed at a prison in, wouldn't you know it, Nuremberg, Germany, where his congregation consisted of Nazi officers who were on trial for their various crimes against humanity. Eventually, as a result of the pastor's ministry, 11 members of Hitler's inner circle confessed their faith in Jesus as their Savior. And of those 11, eight of them received instruction and were able to receive the Lord's Supper from Garricky's hand. Furthermore, 10 members of his prison flock were still sentenced to death. The first to face the gallows was Hitler's own foreign minister, Joachim von Ribbentrop. At Ribbentrop's execution, an American officer asked him if he had any last words that he would like to say. And at this point, Ribbentrop responded, I place all my confidence in the Lamb who made atonement for my sins. May God have mercy on my soul. He then turned to Pastor Garricky and he said, Pastor, I'll see you again. Moments later, the trap door beneath his feet opened and Ribbentrop breathed his last. Other members of Garricky's flock died in a like manner. And Jesus said, The last will be first and the first last. As you can imagine, Chaplain Henry Garricky received a lot of mail. Some of this mail gave thanks to Almighty God for enabling the gospel to reach into the hearts of these Nazi war criminals. Other letters, as you can imagine, however, condemned Garricky. Some even went so far as to say that he should have been hanged next to the war criminals for doing what he did. Now, the people who condemned Garricky didn't know it, but they were also condemning themselves. If Jesus did not die for all sins, then friends, how do you know if he died for your sins? When you condemn Nazi war criminals to hell in spite of Jesus, you are saying that there is some minimum amount of goodness that each of us must have, that we must possess or make for ourselves, before Jesus' forgiveness can truly be considered to be for us or for them. We are saying that people like war criminals or terrorists or any other kind of undesirables or criminals do not make the cut. But friends, I ask you, if they don't make the cut, how do you know whether you made the cut? If Jesus didn't die for them, then how can you be sure that he died for you? In the rite of baptism, we read in our Lutheran liturgy that the Word of God teaches us we are all conceived and born sinful. We are children of wrath under the power of the devil until Christ claims us as his own. If you are scandalized today at the thought of meeting Ozzy Osbourne or your nosy neighbor or Joachim von Ribbentrop in heaven, then I ask you to consider that sin which makes you unworthy of God's grace and to repent. Repent so that 
his glory may not depart from you. Remember that at the beginning of this mortal life, you, like those laborers in the parable, had nothing. Indeed, you are an enemy of God, and you were destined for death and for hell. Remember that out of his great mercy, God made you his own, he baptized you into his name, and he has called you an heir to his kingdom. Remember that in his unfathomable love and pity, Christ gave himself up on the cross for you. Remember your wretched estate, and do not begrudge your God his generosity, not for yourself and not for your neighbor. For as we pray, the kingdom and the power and the glory are all his, and he can share that kingdom with whoever it pleases him. Instead of begrudging, I urge you rather to rejoice in the mercy which was shown forth to all of us from Calvary's cross. Rejoice, first, that this mercy has been given to one so sinful and unworthy as yourself, and then, yes, that that same, that same mercy also extends to your neighbor. Rejoice with Ozzy, and rejoice with Ribbentrop. Rejoice with Grandma Dorothy, with your nosy neighbor, that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ is for all people who cry to him for mercy, be they the first and the greatest, or the last and the least in this temporal fleeting kingdom. Rejoice and be glad in him who glorifies the lowly who gives you so much more than your fair wages for your paltry imitation of righteousness. Rejoice in him who instead graciously bequeaths on you life forever in his name. In Jesus' name, amen. May the peace of God, which far surpasses all understanding, guard and keep your hearts and minds in the same Christ Jesus unto life everlasting. Amen.